And today we're continuing our sermon series called Work is Worship. In the sermon series, we're talking about how in the Jewish culture, they actually had a word for both work and worship that was the same as God gives the priests their job in the temple. He says, you will work and do this. And the word he uses is avodah. And then interestingly enough, as they describe the work of the slaves in Egypt making bricks, they use that same word. They use the word avodah, which means both work and worship. In our culture, I say one of the hardest parts of our spiritual life is a disconnect, a spiritual disconnect we feel at work from God. And in the Jewish culture, they did not have that. Part of it is just simple language. We don't use the same words for work as we do for worship. I guarantee you've never used the same word to describe what you do on Monday morning for what you do on Sunday morning. And certainly our worship is more than work, but it's not less than work. And so we're studying, talking about work as worship. In the first week, we looked at what work is. Work is not a distraction sent to us from Satan to keep us from doing what's really important, which is how often we feel. Work is a good thing given to us by God. And so we talked about that the first week of this sermon series. The next week of this sermon series, we talked about why work is so difficult. Why does it feel so evil? Why is it so awful so often of the time? And it's because of sin. As Adam and Eve rejected God, not only did our, ourselves become separated from God, our work became separated from God. Our earth changed. The earth that God had created to give us food, a gift. God created the earth as a gift for you and I, and it's, he created it good, and it's still amazing. You look out, it's a beautiful day today. I just can't wait to go out and be with my family, celebrate, have a great day. This life is a gift, and this earth is a gift. However, as Adam and Eve walked away from God, not only did that change their spiritual life, it changed our world. And it says one of the things that happened is the ground became cursed. Adam's job was to work the earth, to work the garden. And no longer was his work what God honored, uh, what God um, intended for him to experience. But it says and not only is it cursed now, instead of just bringing forth pleasure and fruit and food, it brings forth thorns and thistles. And his work will be hard. Our work will be hard because of sin. And so work is a good thing given to us from God. It feels so unspiritual so often because of sin. But we talked about how God's image is that of a worker. And that as we work, we are the image of God on earth. God worked. His son works. Work is difficult. It was meant for our good, but it's challenging. And today we're going to look at some of God's goals for our work. And we're going to look at two things that we need to do at our work in order to follow God. What does God want us to accomplish with our work? We'll be reading from Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. If you want to flip to with me to Genesis chapter 2 and then also Matthew chapter 5. And after college, my first job out of college, I spent two years working for the University of Minnesota as a junior research assistant at the U of M. Junior research assistant scientist. I can't remember the name anymore. But we'd studied prostate cancer and its development, and we'd hoped that we would discover something which might inhibit uh, the spread of cancer. And as we studied and, and worked, uh, I, one of my coworkers was from a foreign culture, uh, which is very different than our culture. And in that culture, uh, men were more valuable than women in that culture. And there were certain things that men did, and there were certain things that women did, and there were certain things that men wouldn't do because it was beneath them. And my coworker, one of the things that he felt was beneath them was that he would not clean up after himself. That was a woman's job. The only problem uh, with that is uh, we're not overseas. We're in the United States of America, first of all. And then the other thing that was uh, offensive about that is there was no one else working there other than me. <laughs> and so it was just me and him working in the lab. And this individual felt that it was beneath him to clean up. And this made an interesting dynamic in the laboratory. And to make matters worse, when this guy did work, he seemed to work a lot with neurotoxins. 
and um, seem to work a lot with neurotoxins. Neurotoxins cause damage to your central nervous system. They cause memory loss, epilepsy, and all sorts of real problems. And it's not good to be around neurotoxins, especially when the guy who's working with them feels that it's beneath him to clean up. Some of these things were incredibly concentrated as well, very dangerous, they're hazardous to your health. I would sometimes drop something in the sink and I'd look down at all of these uncleaned beakers filled with who knows what, and I think, you know, it's better for me just to get a new one of whatever I dropped than to fish in there. And I don't remember much, I was a biology major, I don't remember much about, look at my little friend here. <laughs> little spider came down to join me. I don't remember much about my biology major, but I remember something about my central nervous system and neurotoxins and something about my brain being involved in that. And because I want to be able to think until old age, I was very concerned. And it was at this time in my life that I actually developed a tick in my eye. And of course, my mind was running wild. Turns out I was just training for a half marathon and wasn't drinking enough water, but I was very concerned about my central nervous system. And this man had a belief system. He had a worldview that he brought to work every day, that I noticed. And I looked at this worldview, and I thought, I don't want anything to do with this. This is not a good worldview. This is not, you know, diversity is our strength. This is not at all. This is diversity as this is, frankly, evil. I don't want this in my life. This man has, in his worldview, I want out of my life. I want to reject it. I want nothing to do with it. And if you're new here to church... Uh, I just want to be clear. We have a worldview. It's called Christianity. We're a Christian church. We follow Jesus. We seek to follow Jesus in everything that we do. We want our worldview to transform us so that we're completely in line with that, our behaviors, our beliefs, and our actions. Christianity is a worldview. It's recognized as a worldview. When you go to work, the people who look at you, they don't go to church, most of them. They don't share the same worldview. That's changed. And now when you go to work, you are unique. You might feel that way. I know many of you do. Many of you express that as you describe the companies you work for. You see, our, our company no longer is compatible with Christianity. Its values are no longer what God values. And you feel alone. You feel isolated. And the Lord has called you to be a light in the world. You're a light at work because your work is filled with darkness. And God has called you to be that light. And we need our worldview to transform us, to change us. And at work, we need to make sure that we're representing that worldview so that people know why we do what we do. And people know why what we do is good. And they know why it's given to God is good. Darren and I were just talking the other day, and I mentioned it in a sermon, and he reminded me of it the other day. As we read through the Word of God, it will seem foreign to us because our culture is ungodly. But as we read through God's Word and we see things that contradict the culture, the problem's not with the Word of God. It's with our culture. And if our culture influences us, that we read through the word of God and we say, you know, the wow, something in the Old Testament, that, that seemed harsh, this seemed strange. The problem's not with God's word, it's with you. You have begun to follow Satan in your life. Satan has begun to get a stronghold in your life. He's gotten you to turn away from understanding, seeking, and trusting God's word, and he's gotten you to follow him in a significant area of your life. That's listening to God. This is God's word. We follow it. It is our worldview. We seek to conform to it in every way possible. And we seek to bring that light because this is so good. This is so good. And this solves all of the problems that we experience out there. 
It solves all the problems that we experience right here. And so we seek to be that light in the world and transform ourselves according to the word of the Lord. And as we bring that worldview, people see that and they might never read the God's word. The only God's word they might ever read is you. And so we're to be this light in the world. We're to represent Jesus correctly. We're to represent God's goodness and his truth. And we have a belief system. God wants to accomplish something through our work. And let's take a little bit of a look at what it was. Genesis 2.15 says, The Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. That's the verse that I was referring to a little while ago about Adam and what God had intended for Adam's work. Work entered in before sin. Work was always meant to be a good thing from the Lord. Genesis 3, chapter 17, verse 19 says, And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles that shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat Bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. And our work was given to us by God is good. It was corrupted by sin. And there's that slide I was looking for. I was a biology major. I don't remember about much about the central nervous system. Here's a diagram of everything I remember. My brain is included in that central nervous system. This is why I found this man's worldview so offensive because it was literally threatening my physical well-being. And as we go forward, we want to represent God's worldview in a way which is truth-filled and enticing as people experience the pain that our world causes. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to talk a little bit about what God intended for our work starting in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. And what Jesus says about our work, he says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, light, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So oftentimes we're looking to do good works according to the church's mission and we say we need somebody to do good works. Most people come to Christ before they're over the age of 12 and we need people to serve at Kinder Castle. We need them to serve in children's ministry because we need people to do good work for God on his mission. A good work is to serve in the nursery so those kids can learn the gospel, so their parents can hear the word of God, to serve with Kim in level one so those kids... And we talk about the good works. We say, we've got Shepherd's Pantry coming up this Friday, September 2nd. We need to do the good work of feeding other people and helping them and blessing them. And we apply this term to all sorts of things. But never does the church sit there and say to you, the church needs you on its mission and it needs you to do good work tomorrow from nine to five. For some reason, we take this passage and we take this word work, which definitely applies to our paid vocation it's more than that, but it's not less. And for some reason, we only talk about the good works that you can do from 5 p.m. on or on the weekends. And to do so is to be missing out on a massive area of what God has called us to, which is our paid vocation. Ephesians chapter 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The word work is, in the Greek, it's ergon. It means business, employment. 
That's its number one use in their culture. Your business, your employment. It means that which one undertakes to do in an enterprise, in undertaking any product, whatever, accomplished by hand, art, industry, or mind, an act, deed, thing done, the idea of working is emphasized. And here we take this word, and for some reason, we don't apply it to our jobs. The Lord definitely anticipated that we would be doing good work in his name for him, and the primary place which the Lord anticipated that we do that is the way that we would eventually make our living. The word in this context means more than our place of employment, but it doesn't mean less. And just because we might get paid for some good works doesn't mean that they don't count anymore. Luke chapter 10, 7 says, and remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. As he's talking about his disciples, he gives this idea that those who work for the Lord in ministry deserve their wages. And the Lord uses the same term. There are other terms that the Lord uses for both worship and work. But the Lord uses the same term for those who serve him in the church as for those who go out and earn their living doing labor or working in the secular world. It's the same word. The people who get paid to do the work in church are not the only paid ministers of Jesus Christ. You get paid to be a minister of Jesus Christ as well. And I love working in the church. I just can't let this opportunity go by. If you're younger and you want to know of a great place to work, it is in the church. If you feel God calling you to work in the church, I want to know that I want to be here for you to help answer that call and help discern that call if that's you. Being a pastor is a phenomenal way to serve the Lord and a great way uh, to frankly earn a living. It's fantastic. You guys are so generous to me. I'm so glad that I can do this. It is such an honor to be your pastor. But I want you to know that the Bible tells us that what I do is no more holy than what you do on Monday through Friday. You worship the Lord as you go to work on Monday, just like I do. I'm not the only paid minister of Jesus Christ in this room. All of you are as well. And the people who are doing the most important job of being a mother, you guys might do, be doing it volunteer, but this applies to you as well in your work also. You're a minister of the Lord, just like I'm a minister of the Lord. And all of us who go to work are to do so in the name of Jesus, in the name of our God. And when people see us at work, they should think, my goodness, what is this person's worldview? Why are they so honest? Why are they so service-oriented? Why are they so, uh, so reliable? And people should take notice of our good work in a way which makes them admire our belief system because our God is good and we work for him and we don't serve a difficult master. We serve a good master. You might have, I don't know if I've mentioned it here, but I had some stories of, of people who identify themselves as Christians in their workplace we had one on, our, um, one on the major road that I grew up on, and it was called PTL Auto, which stood for Praise the Lord Auto. And I remember people would go in there, and they'd come out, and I needed a place to go, to go fix it. i say, what about PTL Auto? You've been there. What do you think of it? And people would say, that's the worst place in town. That's the worst place to go. They have the highest prices. Praise the Lord Auto is, is, is not the place to go. There was another place called Brothers Automotive, and their name was also Christian as well, as were brothers and sisters in Christ. And I remember to ask people about that. 
service and say, yeah, take your car to this place. Take your car to Brothers. And it's thinking about the witness. It's like, you're not just a witness for your business. You're a witness for Jesus. And that matters. People notice when companies identify themselves as Christian and when they don't. And your workplace will notice you and how you identify yourself as. I had a, a situation when I moved into my last house. I have no idea why. There was no gutters on the home. And it would just, the water would just run down the sides and it ended up, I bought it as a foreclosed home. Got an incredible deal on it. We bought it in the dead of winter. It was negative 10 degrees. And we went around, we inspected the house and everything seemed solid. Well, it seemed solid because it was negative 10 degrees. <laughs> and as, as the temperature warmed up in the winter, suddenly there was water shooting out all sorts of places in my house and holes developing as things crumbled. And I remember I went around looking for where these carpenter ants were coming. And I saw them in my kitchen. I followed them in the basement. I followed them back upstairs around the fireplace. And I went outside and I looked and it looked perfect. I mean, the outside looked perfect. And I went and I, I just decided I, I need to poke around. There's got to be wet wood somewhere. And I poked around. And I just picked right under the windowsill, this giant two by six that framed in the window. And I poked at it and my finger just went right through it. Well, this is not good. And the paint had become a bag to hold my home. Whoever makes paint, you're doing a great job. Paint has come so far. And I just ripped apart my wall with my hands. And I called up my friend. I said, I need help. And he said, I, I know just the people. And not only did a Christian guy come and help me with my window, but also a Christian company that hang, hung gutters came to help me hang gutters. They did an amazing job. I remember thinking, you're doing an amazing job. of being a witness for the Lord. And I sit here and I preach every Sunday and I desire people who don't know the Lord to come in. But for the most part, they don't. Sometimes they do. Praise God. Sometimes you invite them and you get them in here. But this man who hung gutters had a witness that I'll never have because of his job. Because he took the word for work. And good works that it says in the scripture. And let that transform not just his weekends and his evenings, but his nine to five. The apostle Paul wrote much of the sacred scriptures, but also spent most of his time making tents. Jesus ministered for three years. What he did for the other 30 was he was a carpenter. And if you feel like what you're doing is unspiritual, you need to have your worldview change your work. If you feel that what I do for the Lord is such a small amount of my time, Jesus could have said the same thing. The Apostle Paul could have said the same thing. And yet the work they did resulted in good things as a witness for the Lord. And we need to start thinking of our nine to five as a way to serve, worship, and be a witness for Jesus. The first thing that we should do as we look at what God wills for our work is our work should be a testimony of him. In Colossians 3, verse 22 through 24, it says, Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with a sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Now, so often, if you're a supervisor, if you supervise people, you want them to read this verse. Servants, obey your masters as those who obey the Lord. Every person is looking, every leader is looking for those who will serve them and the vision that God has given them for their job for their position, for their company. And one of the things we should be known for as Christians is people who are willing to serve, to humbly serve those who are in leadership and support them. Bond servants, obeying everything, those who are your earthly masters, 
That's definitely one of the things that we can get from this verse. But the main point that I want to talk about today is actually this verse. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. You might not like your boss. Most people don't. But we don't work for our boss as Christians. We work for the Lord. And as we sit there and we look at our place of employment, we shouldn't see our company. We shouldn't see our boss. We should see Jesus and that we are learning to serve Jesus Christ at work. Whatever we do, we work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. The first thing that we should do is a great job at what we do because we work for God and people will see that. Knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot to unpack there. But those guys hanging gutters were following Christ by working in such a way that other people noticed and said, that is fantastic. The first thing we should do is our job is to work in such a way that reflects our God. The second thing that we should do as a job is we should find a job where the results, the work results are godly. And this is becoming more and more difficult as our culture walks away from God. In fact, what they value is often the opposite, is often ungodly. I had a friend, his name is Andy. I grew up with him. He's the most honest individual I've ever seen in my life. He invited me to youth group as a kid. And I'd go to youth group and we'd play basketball every Wednesday. And I went because Andy invited me. And I went because we played basketball. But that youth group was amazing. We studied as our text, a summary of Christian doctrine. That was the name of the text. Can you imagine getting kids to sit down and read a book? A summary of Christian doctrine, 500 pages on Wednesdays. What an incredible experience. And I went and I had that experience because of Andy. Andy's an incredible guy. A few years ago, he called me and was just talking. And he's like, I'm quitting my job. I said, why? Well, because we owe people money as a company and we're telling them we don't have the money and we do. And that's my job. That's where I work. That's what I do for a living. And they're asking me to call and lie to these people. And I said, I can't do it. And so I had to quit unceremoniously that day. I said, I cannot do this. What an amazing man. And this culture, you cannot follow Satan and claim to follow Jesus as well. And you need to be aware, young people, you need to be aware, especially your parents are starting to experience this, but you will experience it even more as our culture walks away. You need to think of the job you do because it, de- it may determine, I should say, it may determine whether you go to heaven or you go to hell because your job will put you in a situation where you either follow Satan or follow God and we will find out who you serve. This world is a test that doesn't make it insignificant. The tests you go to school feel like they're insignificant because you go and fill in some bubbles, you put it in a machine, and nobody really ever cares about the results. But a real test is not insignificant, and the Lord is looking for people who love him in this life. And we prove our love for him by whether or not we follow him. And there are people in our culture today who are being asked by their company, indirectly, whether they follow Satan or follow Jesus. Your parents might have stories about that. I imagine you guys will have more. We have a common enemy. His name is Satan. He is out there. He wants to destroy us. The Lord is looking for people who love him, and Satan is looking for people who he can entice away from the Lord to follow him. And as we go to our jobs, they will ask us who we follow, and we'll have to decide. And one of the things that the Bible makes clear is it doesn't matter what we say with our mouth. It says we confess with our mouth. How are we saved? It says we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is real. No, that's not what it says. 
that Jesus Christ existed. That's not what it says. That Jesus is our Lord. It doesn't matter what we say with our mouth. It matters what we believe in our heart. And if what we believe in our heart is that Jesus Christ is Lord, and then we say that, that's what matters. And if we say that Jesus Christ is Lord and we don't follow him, we can say it all we want, but we'll get to heaven and look at us and say, I never knew you. And my goal as a pastor is to make sure that I'm leading you to Jesus Christ into heaven. And so young people especially, I want you to know, you need to think about your career very carefully because there are many places which you will not be able to work at and go to heaven. Our work should result in godly work for the world, things that result in godly activity. The government just added 87,000 armed IRS agents. Young people, you need to decide what you're going to do with your life. I don't know what kind of people go to decide they're going to grow up and become IRS agents. I don't know who does that. But you need to be thinking about that so you don't fall into one of these situations. There are lots of ungodly jobs that you can follow. You don't want to go to work for some of these people. The FBI is largely a political organization now, persecuting its political opponents. You can't work for that. That's ungodly stuff. You need to stay away. I remember I went to church with a man who drove a GMC Denali way back in the day. I said, this thing is amazing. I want to grow up and drive a GMC Denali. I said, what do you do? He says, I, do, I sell vending machines. I stock vending machines, sell them. We stock them. We give vending machines. Oh, I like Cheetos. I love Cheetos. He goes, no, I like cigarettes. I thought, how can this, you, this does not work. You can go to church and say you're a Christian all you want to, but you have to make a decision to follow Jesus at your place of work. Jesus says we love our neighbor as ourselves, and one of the biggest ways that we interact with our neighbor is through our job. One of the most powerful ways we can love our neighbor is at work. We have someone who's a teacher here who felt uncomfortable at their job for a variety of reasons, but what put the nail in the coffin was that they were supporting children in their rejection of their God-given gender. You can't do that. I was talking with another man who's a teacher and administrator in the school system. He says, I'm just looking at the timeline. I'm like, how much longer before I get fired? Because I can't do this. As Christians, we know that God loves us. He created us because he loves us. He created us the way he created us because he loves us. And that he created our bodies the way he created them because he loves our bodies. God loves your body. That's why he gave it to you. And as Christians, we support other people to instead of rejecting the bodies that God gave them. Child abuse. As parents encourage their children to go to doctors which give them hormones which deform their bodies and surgeons which mutilate their bodies. We don't do genital mutilation as Christians. We follow the Lord. We follow Jesus. And we teach people and we encourage other people to love their bodies and we counteract the ways in which Satan works and you can't go to work and support things like this. Kids, if you want to be a teacher, I would encourage you, think about being a teacher in a private Christian school because that might be the way that you have to go in order to follow Jesus and to go to heaven. That's why it makes Kindercastle so important. More important tomorrow than today because this is coming. If you're a Christian teacher and you want to serve the Lord, I encourage you to get in contact with Cindy. Get in contact with me. We just added first grade. We're going to be adding more classes. And we're committed to making sure that at Kindercastle, we will be following the Lord Jesus Christ. And that makes us incredibly different. That will make your work environment incredibly different. As you think about what to do with your life, kids, be thinking about what I can do to serve God, not just to provide for my family, not just to make money. 
Ephesians 2.10 says, We work for God, and God created us to do good works. And therefore, the work that we do needs to be that God, work that God would do. And there's plenty of opportunities to do that. Sin creates dirty jobs. That's all we do is we work for the Lord, is we do dirty jobs. Take care of messes and situations which people should never experience. Jesus himself worked to make tables to get our food out of the dirt to make sure that we wouldn't be getting sick, make sure that we'd be clean. We need farmers to fight the thorns and thistles and the cursed ground so we won't starve. Look at the attack that Satan's got on farmers right now. Not only here, but especially abroad. Go home and Google what's happening over in Europe as they try to shut down farms and keep people from eating. We need people to fight this sin. We need transportation to bring people food and goods and services. Look at what Satan's doing as he tries to shut down our transportation so that we can live, so that we can thrive. We need people to go to work and do these things. We're in a battle. As you go to work, don't just be thinking about how I can provide. Humanity's losing. And we need people who are going to go stand up and fight Satan. We need roofers who are going to provide us a way to get out of the miserable, wet and cold. People who will go work in the energy sector and provide energy, reasonable energy for us and our future and our children. If we don't do that, we won't have it. Satan's trying to take it away. Police officers. We need police officers to keep us safe from people who are choosing to hurt themselves and hurt others. And if you want to do that, kids, I'd think twice about whether or not going into work to be a police officer. We need godly police officers. And don't be ready to go to work as a police officer unless you're willing to be persecuted and potentially lose your job. Look at what Satan's been doing with our police officers. Not just here, mostly not here, but overseas especially, as they take away people's right to be outside. They're God-given right for freedom. This is no small thing. And I'm running out of time because it was a busy Sunday. But we need you to change the world. And there's no better way to change the world through the church. That's why I'm a Christian. That's why I'm a pastor. I love the church. But I'm telling you, the church isn't just what we do here on Sundays. I'm not the only paid minister at our church. Every one of you will go out tomorrow and be a paid minister of Jesus Christ. And we need you to do amazing things. Because right now we've got a strong enemy. And the good news is we've got a stronger God. Let's pray.